Hi, everyone. Welcome to Frontier Faith, a podcast where it's okay not to know, not to know what you believe or why you believe it. We want to be people who show you what that looks like, to be okay with that, but also to be people who can journey with you. My name is Nathan Whitaker. Hello, my name is Ryan Harris. And today we're going to be talking about something that Ryan's going to introduce us, but I wanted to reflect more on last week before we get started. Uh, we started to look at sin in a positive way. I know that sounds weird. But, <laughs> that sounds very funny. Um, <laughs> the theology of sin as uh, a theology of sin as trauma and... Uh, especially around original sin. I think we both really gravitated towards that. In fact, I didn't share this with you beforehand, but I listened to some new research that came out that the proto-cells that are you eventually are uh, part of your grandmother. Um, And so they're starting to learn biologically that you are in your grandmother's womb as much as you are in your mother's womb in some sense. And they're wondering if psychologically that actually has connections, you know, it's early research, but Hmm. uh, makes you wonder, right? When it talks about sin going on into the generations of how that really plays out, at least biologically. Um, Having said that, we want to recognize, at least I want to recognize that that is not a full picture of the theology of sin. Uh, we're not attempting to give a full theology. I was going to say, it wasn't sin. intended to be, yeah. Uh, we tried to look at a new aspect of sin uh, and a corrective of some sort based off of what we inherited. Uh, a, a big hole in that aspect of, of sin is the, the problem of justice and injustice mm-hmm. in this world. And uh, we just don't, we're just not in a place where we are able to talk that out just yet. Uh, We're thinking that through and we need help. So if you have any ideas of how that works, because yes, hurt people hurt people, but that doesn't mean that those sins aren't, uh, that we do to other people aren't just trauma. They're Mm -hmm. also violent and they're also, there's also a call for justice in scripture. So how does that all fit together? Uh, We wanted to make sure that we were very clear that we're not uh, prescribing a, uh, or even describing an entire theology of sin. We're just trying to bring a new positive dynamic to that, to our project based off of that. Uh, We hope to get to some idea of justice and injustice and how that plays out in the concept of sin at some point. Um, But as I said, we're we're just not ready to do that just yet. Still needs to percolate or steep or whatever tea coffee metaphor you want. You want to use for me anyway, of like, like you said, this was something we wanted to explore and investigate and we did, and it's an important aspect, but it's not supposed to be the whole story. In fact, we're kind of resistant to the idea of whole stories anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we would like to talk about it more at some point, but it's one of those things of uh, you got to let it sit in the fridge for a while first um, or whatever food metaphor you want to use too. So, yeah. And we also want to give permission. We're going to talk about this more in depth at another time, but give permission to the incompleteness of theology, the incompleteness of faith, 
many of us grew up believing that we have a totalizing picture of reality because of who God is and our faith in that God. Uh, and one of the hardest, I think, at least for us who are Westerners, the hardest realities that hits us is that we don't have a complete picture. And uh, learning to live with that, I, I don't know if it's a lifelong thing, but it's certainly getting getting close to a decade long thing for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, might be might be decades by the wow, time decade? I get that. Gosh. I know, right? <laughs> Sorry, I'm not very old, but like I hurt my back this week and I don't know how I did it. And it's just now feeling better like five (laughs) days later. And so when we say something like, you know, we were in school, like we started like 10 years ago or close to it anyway. Yeah. And it's just like, fuck, (laughs) you know, like darn. (laughs) So anyways, stay tuned for more sin talk. Um, But today we're going to do something different. What are we doing today, Ryan? Well, so we want to um, explore something different today. We're kind of in this cycle that we didn't realize we were doing um, of sort of revisiting things we've talked about in the past, but you know, we're trying to find um, an aspect of it that's a more positive approach, positive in the sense of, so what can we actually do with this or what changes have we seen? You know, those kinds of things like we've been doing since we came back this year. And so today we wanted to talk about prayer, which we have done before. We've done, I mean, it's come up a lot just here and there, but we've also done at least one episode or episodes uh, on that specifically. And I think the last time we talked about it in depth, we kind of focused on um, pulling apart this idea of petitionary prayer being the only kind of prayer that we generally do, right? For most of us, myself sometimes included still (laughs) like it's that we've been taught ask and you will receive you ask not or you have not because you ask not so we go to god and say god i want or sorry what we actually say is god please help me with or god please you know (laughs) what we mean is god i want um and that's kind of the mainstay of most people's prayer lives christians prayer lives so we don't need to pull that apart again because i think we've already done that um But I think what we want to do today is kind of explore prayer and what has it been like in our lives since that discussion a year ago or whatever it was. Um, You know, so we've established that just having your prayer life mostly consists of asking God for stuff, whether that's good stuff or material stuff or help or whatever it is, that that's probably at, at best a limited understanding and application of prayer, right? Um, that God wants more for us, not necessarily God wants more from us, but God wants more for us. I think there's a difference there. And it's actually kind of boring to pray that way all the time. Well, I mean, it's, it's partly why I think, you know, I, I used, I've talked in the past about these prayer services that we'd go to at church and I'd be like, all right, man, I'm going to pray. And I, I thought I was praying for a long time and I look up and it's been about 47 seconds and I'm out of things (laughs) to pray for. Cause if you just have a list of things you're asking for, not you can go through that pretty quickly so anyway um so i thought so we think what we'll do today is just kind of tell you what where we're at with prayer now what we've um experienced and learned or you know maybe if we've changed our mind about that i haven't but uh you know (laughs) maybe we you know (laughs) just kind of want to give you an update on that with the idea of looking at where does that leave us and where can that leave all of us in terms of 
you know, what does it mean to have a prayer life if you want to use that term? Um, or what, you know, just kind of based on our own experiences, where are we now as opposed to to then? Kind of kind of like a status update, but hopefully with the idea that it can help you reflect on where you're at with prayer too. Um, yeah. So, so Nate, do you still ask God for things when you pray? Yeah, sometimes. I, I don't know as many who are listening would say that we shouldn't ask God for anything. Me included. Um, you know, God's a good father, a good mother, a friend, mm-hmm. a brother, sister, however you want to see that. Um, the spirit understands the groanings of our hearts, not just, you know, the deeper stuff, but also the stuff that would make life easier and better for us. And And sometimes it's good for us to ask for help. Yeah. Because sometimes it's hard to admit or to ask when you really just need to ask for help. Like, right. That's okay. You know? And I, I don't know if we talked about, I'm sure we did the last time where petitionary prayer really, um, for me in my own faith and for my discussions with others as I pray with them, I think it gives you a posture of trust, mm-hmm. uh, which is really important. Uh, I actually, I think I can say this. I don't expect God to give anything that I pray for. I actually assume that I'm not going to receive anything that I I pray for. Um, Interesting. For me, it's more just trusting that God will will take care of me, even if it's not in that way. Um, what about for other people? Do you ask God for things for other people? And when I say ask for things, I don't necessarily mean like yeah, not material a car, right. um, unless it's like, hey, this person can't get to work and needs, you know, I, but it's not so much things as much as like, you know, is, is it the same? Is it different if you're praying for yourself as opposed to somebody else? No, I, I don't. It, it's different in the sense that uh, well, here, let's peel back just one layer. Like if I don't, let's use a concrete example. Um, uh, my life is anxious right now. Um, everyone that I know in my family is anxious. And so when I do ask, uh, God for things, I ask to take the fucking anxiety away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that very well. Yeah. I don't like that. Um, I, when I say I don't believe God will just re- give me will give me what I pray for, what I mean by that is I just don't believe that God's going to snap fingers and make anxiety melt away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think it will be fast if when God gives it to me, if God gives it to me. God might give me an insight to help me understand my anxiety better, might give me the time that I need to be able to uh, focus on my anxiety. And so the change might be when I'm praying for other people, I very much think if I'm praying for, you know, the release of anxiety from my wife or something like that, um, I don't expect God to remove the anxiety, but maybe it's that God will give me um, an opportunity to speak into that anxiety. So sort of that I, I, I don't expect it because I think that um, God works through lots of different means on this earth. And if I'm praying primarily through me, um, and I don't think it matters if it's praying on my behalf or the behalf of other people, I just don't expect it to happen. 
Interesting. Um, I generally don't pray for material things for that reason. I just like the silly, silliest prayer. I think if you expect it to happen is one to win the lottery. It's <laughs> like, uh, um, but uh, I've moved away from petitionary prayer uh, as a means to get something and more as a function of my posture of trust that God will take care of me um, because he knows the groaning of my heart. So the spirit knows the growing. Hmm. Um, there's more I want to say about my prayer life, but because you asked, uh, I'm going to ask you, do you still pray p- petitionary? Do you expect God to give you what you asked for? What's that all look like? So I, I, I do still pray that way for, for some reason, a few different reasons. Um, partly because I, I don't think that, uh, there's ever a problem with asking God for something or whatever, because it's not like I've have somehow bound God to doing something. Right. So mm-hmm. at the very least, it's not, it's not going to, nothing's going to happen, but it's not like it's somehow sinful or, or wrong. Right. Um, I think the other element for me is that, well, so like I said earlier, I do also think sometimes it's good for us to have to ask for help. Like there is something about saying to God, I recognize that I cannot X and I really need you to help me because I can't, whether it's something I can't do or something I I don't, you know, like I think there is a place for that that can be a very healthy part of our prayer lives. I think it's difficult because it's so quickly and so easily diverts into, um, you know, when I'm feeling anxious, help me not feel anxious. And then I still do, you know, or that kind of stuff. And Um, fuck you, God. (laughs) Right. It's like, I thought you cared and listened and all this kind of stuff, you know. Um, I think the other part that makes it hard for me is that a big part of my job is offering petitionary prayers for people. Now, I could pray however I want. And and I do sometimes, like I've changed how I, I offer them, I think. But like if someone says, if someone, if I'm visiting with a patient and they say, I'm in pain, can you pray for me? They want me to pray for God to help them with their pain. And I wouldn't say no to someone who asked me to do, I don't imagine you would either, probably. Um, yeah, no, I, think I wouldn't. What I've tried to do differently though is, when I ask God to do that, I ask God to do that in any number of ways, right? So, you know, whether you take the pain away entirely or you get the medication here on time or you send the right nurse or you, um, you know, some combination of all of these things, like I ask God for help in whatever they're asking for help with, but I try to um, work in there that there's any number of ways God might accomplish this. And it really is up to God how that works. Um, And also, like, I don't say this to people because most of them are not in a state where I could have a discussion like this with them, Mm -hmm. but also kind of trying to introduce the idea of it may take time. You know, Um, it may not happen as we ask for it, but it Mm -hmm. might still happen. Like, I don't want to give up the idea that God still does those kinds of things, but I also think that I could also be doing a disservice to people if they say, pray for my pain to go away. And I say, God, please take away their pain. Amen. And then it doesn't happen. Right. Um, Not because it's my responsibility. I just mean, I've learned that 
in my time so far in this job, I'm still learning, but that what I don't say and don't pray is just as instructive to people mm. um, as what I do, sometimes even more so. So I still do that, but I think I, I do it less than I used to, partly because I've recognized the imbalance in my, just in terms of my own like prayer life, not necessarily for other people. Um, you know, I've been trying sometimes with a little more success, at least that's how it feels. And sometimes not at all to how can I pray differently? You know, like, uh, so yeah, to answer your question in a very long winded fashion, yes, I still do it. I have changed it somewhat in some ways, but I think context matters so much of, are we talking about me or are we talking about somebody else? Um, what's the situation, you know, all that kind of stuff. Do you expect God to answer the prayer? I, I, I expect God to answer the prayer in some way. And I'm not trying to be trite here, but I do think sometimes God says no, <laughs> you know, yeah. like I, that sometimes God says, I think God says yes, sometimes too. And sometimes God doesn't say, say much, but things still happen, you know, like I, so I guess generally speaking, I expect God to answer, but sometimes I think it's a lot more indirect than an answer than we think of as an answer. So like to use the example of work, Sometimes when we ask God to take people's pain away, I think that means that they die because that really does take their pain away. And for some people, that's the best outcome. You know, mm -hmm. I know that sounds weird to say, but I pro it's true. And so is that an answer to prayer? Yeah, I think it might be sometimes, but that's a very different way than I used to look at it of. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Um... I know growing up and especially as I was starting to make this transition, there was uh, something I gravitated towards a lot was God's answer might be no. Mm -hmm. um, but I think I did that trying to protect God in, in God's absence rather mm -hmm. than uh, really grappling with what no meant. It does um, kind of, or it could, I suppose, let God off the hook in a sense, right? of, well, God answered, God just said no. And it's like, yeah, yeah but I still have no food, right? Right. Um, yeah. Or whatever it might be. So I'm still in agony or. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I, I'm just not comfortable with that phraseology anymore. Um, I, I'm more comfortable saying that I just don't expect God to answer my prayers. Um, and see, I'm not comfortable saying that because I do expect God to answer my prayers somehow, but I don't know what that means or looks like. And it sure seems like sometimes God's not right. Yeah. It's a, it's a tension for me of like, I don't want to give up the idea that God hears and answers prayer. Um, but well, just because I say God doesn't answer my prayers doesn't mean I don't think God hears my prayers. Hmm. I do think God hears my prayers. But I don't know. I don't know if this works. I'm just kind of thinking it through. Like being the father of two young children, especially my youngest is doing this a lot right now. She will ask questions that she has asked over and over and over again. 
And in my worst moments, I say, sweetie, you've asked that question a hundred times. You know the answer to that question. Mm-hmm. And other times, I just don't answer the question. Because in that moment, I don't know. I don't know the psychology of kids. But in my experience, what I've noticed is that if I don't answer the question, they answer it for me. Well, and there is probably an element of developmentally, psychologically, whatever, where we do need to work things out yeah. for ourselves at some point. And I imagine that that would be true from God as well. Yeah. And I so I don't, when I say God doesn't answer my prayers, I don't think, I think my former self would say, well, that sounds like a very cold, detached God. And I just don't believe that about God. Not necessarily. Yeah. I think there are some things where God just can't answer because our limited abilities, because it's a necessary experience, because sometimes we pray for things that are, um, that are violent to other people, Mm -hmm. even if they're not, you know, explicitly so. Self-serving prayer is so easy to do sometimes fully realizing it. And sometimes before you realize what you're doing, <laughs> right. and you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> or, you know, or later you say, oh. <laughs> you well, and if you pray for like a, a course correction, like use the example I was saying, like I pray for the removal of my wife's anxiety. What if God's doing something in that anxiety that I can't possibly imagine? You know, I, I don't know. Um, but all of that's to say, I, I'm not seeing God as a cold detached father in that. I'm not seeing God as somebody who doesn't care. I just don't see God as somebody. I think this speaks more into my idea of petitionary prayer, that I don't see it as certainly the primary way. Um, And maybe it's a correction or overcorrection of that. But I don't actually think it's it's a, a necessary way to pray to God, uh, outside of that posture of, of trust hmm. that yeah, a child has for their parent. It's interesting because, um, one of the things I've been experimenting with is, uh, trying to find other ways to pray besides just saying, or maybe some days in addition to, so I might still ask God for things, but then I don't want to just leave it there, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, some things that I've experimented with, and when I say if they've worked or haven't worked, just go with me because that doesn't really make sense. And I know that it's not like I have a metric I can evaluate these things by, you know, Yeah. Right. but when I say it worked or it didn't work, I more mean that it, it did something in me or for me in a way that I hadn't seen something or experienced before. Right. So um, I've tried when I'm praying just for myself, even if I'm still asking for something, I've tried to really widen the scope and limit at the same time. So what I mean is rather than being like, God, I need your help with A through L, I say, (laughs) God, sometimes I just try to just confine my prayer to God. I need help. Right. Hmm. Um, And not as a way to let God off the hook, but more of like the important part for, I think in that kind of prayer for me is to just like there's the surrender aspect of saying, God, I can't do whatever and I need you to help me with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is still a petitionary prayer, I suppose, but it's been trying to shift the focus 
to what God does more or what God might do or, or um, maybe even shifting the focus to the posture of my heart rather than what God does or doesn't do, you know, um, because God may not intervene in the universe and uh, help me find my wallet, <laughs> right? <laughs> but um, God might have something to say to me about anxiety or whatever. Um, so that that's something that's um, that I've been trying to do, not because I feel like God's upset if I ask for things as much as been trying to shift how um, my own like spiritual disposition towards it of what's the important part of this prayer is not really whether I find my keys or not, because I will find them <laughs> or more seriously. It's not really whether um, I ask God to provide because God will, right? It's more about just like the acknowledgement and admission of the fact that I can't do or I don't know what to do about something. And then that's me saying, God, you know, I'm uh, turning to you somehow. Sometimes that's easier to do than others. Like you'd think it'd be easier because I'm saying a lot less, but sometimes it's a lot easier to just go through the laundry list Yeah, because it feels like I did something. Right. Right. Whereas like this kind of prayer is, is like, God, please help. Okay. There I prayed for today. Right. You know? And I mean, it's just, uh, it doesn't feel like I did much, which I know me doing things, but I'm just saying like at the same time, it almost feels like I did more sometimes just mm. with that limited amount of, of approach. Well, see, I don't think asking God for help in that way is petitionary and I'm still working this out, mm. but I wonder if part of the positivity of our project is recognizing that uh, not only are there different ways to pray, but there are different ways for different people to pray. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and we're trying to figure that out. Sounds to me like that's more of a relational prayer. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I'm trying to think of a really good example, but I think most most people, certainly parents and, and spouses and partners will get this. There's a difference between asking, just to use that word help, asking for help to do a task and helping asking for help in general. Mm -hmm. Because if I'm asking for help to do a task, then like I say, hey, uh, Sweetie, can you come pour the milk for the girls for dinner? That's a task, right? Mm -hmm. And I just need some help to do that. But if I'm like uh, kerfuffled around making dinner and I just had, you know, I'm just overwhelmed or whatever. And all I can say is I need help, but I don't know what kind of help would be help. Mm -hmm. I don't know any. That's a relational question, right? It's like uh, I'm asking my wife or whoever it is see me for what's going on here because yeah. I can't see myself. I, I don't know what to do here. I'm clearly at a loss. And it looks like the problem is I don't know how to make dinner, but there's something else going on, right? right. And I'm, I'm making a relational bid. And I think that's different than petitionary prayer. Mm. What do you think? It's at very least a significant tweaking of it, um, which honestly is kind of what I was going for. Um, part of the reason I wanted to to do that more is because it's, it's like I said, in some ways it's a lot harder to do that because it yeah. takes more trust um, <laughs> yeah. that God will know what it is I need help with. But not just God will know, but yeah, 
It's saying there is something about me, and I don't necessarily mean this in a I am deficient way, although it might be something I can't do. But I mean, I'm not saying like there is something about me that's bad. It's saying I cannot X for whatever reason or yeah. reasons, but God, you can through me or right. with me or, you know, whatever. And and I think, um, like I said, that has had various feelings of success or not. And all I mean by that is sometimes that really helps. And sometimes it feels like I don't even pray. I'm not a Christian. What's wrong? You know what I mean? Like I said three words. I don't have a prayer life, um, which I know in my brain is not actually true, but that's, I think probably well, that happens in relationships the... too, right? Mm-hmm. Like if I ask my spouse for help, sometimes the response is, um, I don't know how to help you. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, shit. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to ask for it. You know? I don't know how. Yeah. And so there gets to, yeah. So I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think probably what's wrong with it is thinking that we have to get prayer right mm. in the sense of petitionary or understanding what we're actually doing. Mm. Uh, I think that would probably be not wrong in a judgmental way, but just as a, Hey, let's, let's uh, course correct here. Right. Uh, if I'm asking for help and I don't know what the fuck to do and I don't receive any help, that doesn't mean God's upset with me. It doesn't mean right. I'm less of a Christian or, or that I said the formula wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a learning opportunity for me to explore myself more. And sometimes I'm not happy with that, clearly. I mean, (laughs) just because we're learning something from it doesn't make it all better. Uh, That's not the point either. But um, I don't know. I don't think we've done a good job of distinguishing between relational and petitional Mm -hmm. conversation. And maybe that's a first step or maybe that's a step for some people that Mm -hmm. we need to make. yeah. Can I uh, can I tell you about something that really didn't work for me? Yeah. That just recently happened that I didn't seek out, but as they were talking about, it, I was like, "Oh, maybe." And then afterwards I was like, "Hell no." Um, <laughs> have you heard of centering prayer? Yes. Yeah, so this was something at church that um I'm on this committee and and we do various things throughout the year for people to They're sort of like classes, but the you know, we do one series about prayer, one about the Bible and one about leadership and I'm more involved with the Bible side of it, you know. Um so mm-hmm. I I didn't have anything to do with the planning of these ones, but um it's, you know, you have someone speak and then the idea is people there get together and practice whatever it is and you know, so this is about centering prayer, which the gist of it, I'm going to try and describe it in a way that doesn't show how I feel about it. It's not going to work, but I'm <laughs> no, going to try. No, it never works. It's not going to work. Uh, and bear in mind, I only heard about 10 minutes of this, so I can't, you know, I'm, I'm probably not doing it justice. But the idea of is it's more of a, it's more of a way to kind of like, it actually reminded me of if you've ever done any therapy and they taught you about grounding um, where you try to continually refocus yourself, um, in prayer. So usually on Jesus or something like that. And it started with, we were supposed to pick a sacred word, which would, would focus us. And then just is almost like grounding and meditation combined, but as prayer is what it felt like to me. Um, because so you pick whatever word it is. I think I didn't know what to do. So I just said, let's go with Jesus. It's hard to go wrong with Jesus. Right. And the idea is you're supposed to just kind of, you close your eyes and you're supposed to just meditate on whatever. And then as you find your mind wandering, cause it will, 
the idea is to use that word or words or concept or whatever you've picked to kind of recenter yourself on that. And it's, I think, supposed to be this way of a more embodied and, um, well, centered <laughs> prayer. But we only did it for like two minutes. And I think she said a lot of people like the, say they'll talk about doing it twice a day for like 20 minutes at a time. And I'm like, oh, Lord. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> I'm just like, in the two minutes, I'm like, well, I have, my mind has wandered the entire time. <laughs> and every time it happens, I said Jesus again. And then I'm still like, okay, but is something supposed to be happening because nothing is happening? And then I'm like, wait, this is the exact opposite of how this is supposed to work. And then it was two minutes. And you know what I mean? So like, yeah. part of me says... <laughs> I need to do more of it because the fact that I reacted so negatively to it might mean there's something there for me to explore <laughs> some more. But I also just think it's probably not going to be a great fit for me just because of how I work, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, so like I just like, that's another thing that may be great for some people. And it was another way that some people pray. And I think conceptually, I like I, well, the idea of prayer being like that sounds great to me, but I don't know that it's ever going to be a form of prayer that I could utilize very much because I don't know if I'm a snob or what it is, but I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just like this is dumb. It's yeah. not dumb, but it felt dumb, yeah. you know? And I said, okay, well, Jesus, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, what? What is supposed to be happening? I'm not feeling anything except, you know, annoyed and frustrated and, I know, yeah. not the point. But anyway, so that that was something I'd experienced recently that um, was another thing that people do that I think there could be a lot of value for some people and maybe even me, but it sure didn't, sure didn't feel like yeah. it. Like I feel <laughs> like I accomplished more or got more out of when I just give God my laundry list than just sit there in a room with my eyes closed saying Jesus over and over again. <laughs> yeah. People say this is the best way to pray for me and I do it and it's like... Uh, <laughs> I don't know how you manage. <laughs> yeah, I'm, it's like I'm glad, really. Yeah, and I'm not. I'm not even trying to disparage it. Like I could see right. that some people got a lot out of it, and that is great. But I think part <laughs> of this journey for me has been recognizing that we are also all different people, and that is going to play out in how we relate to God through prayer. Um, and it's okay. Like I don't. I don't have to go on a centering prayer retreat because Lord Jesus saved me from that. Um, <laughs> but it's okay that other people do. You know. Yeah. God, I would die. I would just. I would leave. <laughs> I. I just couldn't do it. Well, to, so we grappled with petitionary prayer. I want to give a suggestion at least, um, and. It's not a suggestion as somebody who has mastered this by any stretch or even is completely comfortable here, but it seems to be working for me and it's not a formula like that or a mode of prayer like that. Um, it's more of a, a mood one takes or mm. a disposition, disposition one has. Yeah. I started to ask myself, well, there were two things happening at the same time. One, I asked I, I was getting involved in, if you've listened to this podcast long enough, you know that my primary way of connecting with people is through conversation. Uh, conversation is philosophically important to me. Um, it is uh, relationally important to me. It's personality. My personality, it's important to me as well. Um, so one of the things I was trying to do is grapple with this. How do I have a conversation with somebody who doesn't pay attention? Like, 
who doesn't respond in the traditional sense. Uh, and you mean you don't just be like, pay attention, I'm talking to you. <laughs> um, and as I was processing that, as I was learning from that, you know, I started to learn from my life experiences, which was being a child or being having children, babies especially. And um, at the same time, I, I was never a full-on chaplain, of course, but I was going to nursing homes and hospice centers and so forth. And both of those groups of people, um, not everybody in a nursing home hospice center, but a good good portion of them, are unresponsive in the traditional sense of conversation. And so I started to note, how do I how do I have conversation with babies, with kids that um, if you have young kids, not babies, babies, they're kind of stationary and they're, you know, captive audience and they do give feedback sort of, um, especially to facial expressions. But uh, we had uh, in our in the previous church I was in, we had a two year old and boy just made me remember two year olds do not pay attention to you <laughs> at all. Nope. Um, they're listening. Clearly they're listening, but they don't, you know, they don't have the social mechanisms in place where they're showing that they're listening or having a conversation with you because they don't know how to do that. Um, so I was thinking about that. I was also watching people who have their parents in, in the bed or in a chair and they're not responsive and how do they talk to them? And I noticed that it's kind of completely natural in an unnatural sense. Like they talk about their days. They talk about what's happening at that time. You know, as you're trying to teach a kid language and connection, at least if you're a verbal per person like me, I would talk to my kids in the car as we were driving. I would talk to them as I'm changing them and so on and so forth. Uh, I would never ask them questions because I know they're not going to answer any questions. You know, it might be rhetorical questions, um, as uh, cheesy as it sounds, like, oh, that was a big poop, wasn't it? Or something <laughs> like that. Um, and I noticed that parents were talked to that way as well by their older kids when they're in the hospice and dying and unresponsive. Uh, people in comas even towards the very end of their lives where they're certainly not responsive in any stretch that we can imagine, uh, a stretch of our imagination. Uh, during COVID, at the very beginning, I there's a couple of sisters. They were both, uh, I don't mean this pejoratively, but they were both old maids. They never married anybody or uh, had relationships that way. And so they lived together and they were lifelong friends. And uh uh, the older sister was like five years older and she was dying at the beginning of COVID. And um, the younger sister said, yeah, just, just by being here, I know she knows that I'm here. And it wasn't like, you know, sometimes we hear that stuff and we think that's romantic and uh, uh, hyper-spiritualized, but, you know, she just kind of knew that her sister knew she was there. It's hard to explain. Yeah. Um, with spouses you see it a lot too and uh, so i noticed that i noticed that conversation with somebody who doesn't respond that way is different but still authentic and meaningful and then the second thing was 
I started to take seriously. What if, what if when Jesus said that we are his friends, that he actually mm. meant it? <laughs> Friend is a much more powerful image for me than let's say brother or father or whatever. Um, and so I thought, how do I relate to my friends? Um, and so what I did with both of those things is I started to talk to God in a way that I talk to my friends, but I do so without, with my friends, Ryan will tell you, I, I can go on monologues like I'm doing now, but I am always eager for a response. I always mm. get to a place where I want to hear, how do you process that? Like, what are you thinking? Um, and sometimes it's not monologue-ish, it's more listening and engaging. Um, but I, I came to a place in my own prayer life where that was not satisfying in the sense like, oh, now I feel like I'm a real Christian because I'm really praying. But no, it just felt kind of natural when I'm by myself mm. or uh, in my brain or however it works. I kind of just talk to God that way. Um, when I'm mad at God, I tell him to fuck off sometimes. <laughs> like, hey, this is this is shitty. Um, there was a recent job that I was applying for that I wanted to get and it didn't happen. So I told God, I don't want to talk to him for a while. Mm -hmm. Like, why the fuck didn't you let me at least pursue the next stage of that to get out to California? Cause I was selfish and wanted to go out <laughs> there. Um, so, you know, I do that cause I do that with my friends too and tell them I'm upset or whatever it is. And the long winded way to say, I, I have found that that, although in a church setting, that's not seen as prayer. Um, at least in the churches that I've been a part of. Uh, but I found that much more, uh, what do I want to say? Satisfying. I'll mm -hmm. say that much more satisfying than trying to find out how can I really pray to God <laughs> to either get what I want or to be who, who I'm expected to be or that kind of thing. Yeah. I think, uh, for me too, it sounds, it sounds like what, one of the things I'm hearing from you and, and that I can relate to is I've really been trying to stop treating prayer. Like I just have to crack the code, you know, yeah. um, if I just do it right, then I'll have a quote, good prayer life, or then God will give me what I ask for, or, uh, yeah. you know, whatever it might be. And, and it's just, nobody ever told me it was like that. And in fact, they probably told me it wasn't. And like, have we've talked about a lot, what I actually learned though, was that yeah. it, it is like that. Um, and so I, I, I'm been trying to, um, and maybe this is kind of a centering prayer, which is ironic given what I just <laughs> talked about, but I, I know I told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again because I can, but also because it really does fit well here is, um, I might've even told it on the time we talked about prayer last time, but we, I had listened to this podcast and I heard this person on there. I can't remember her name, um, but this is her story, not mine. But anyway, she said that her son, who was pretty young, I don't remember, he was younger than 10 anyway, and he was in a Sunday school class and they told the class to draw prayer, which is a big ask because I don't know how you draw that anyway. Yeah. So anyway, she said that some of the kids like, drew people with their hands folded or kneeling. And she said one kid drew an iPad because apparently he'd been praying that God would give him an iPad. He really wanted one. And yeah. she said her son brought this thing home that was just 
she said he's, he's a he's a pretty good artist for his age, right? So she could tell what it was. And it was clearly a picture of him and Jesus sitting on their back deck at home. And he said, I love you. And Jesus said, I love you. And that's what her son drew as prayer. Mm. You know, and I think about that a lot because it's about like, uh, like, what is it like for prayer to be something where you just kind of exist with God, right? You're just there together. Um, And sometimes you say something like, I love you, or sometimes maybe you say a lot of things and maybe sometimes you don't say anything at all. But the point is being with God, communing with God in some way. You know, have you ever been outside in a beautiful like national park or something and you feel like you're there with God, even though you might not say that or, you know, Mm -hmm. God doesn't part the skies and say, hello, Ryan, I'm glad you're here (laughs) in my wonderful park, you know? Yeah. And yet there's that like way of that happening. And that's happened to me in my car at times too, but it's not always or ever been like a, because I said the right words or I um, prayed the right amount of time or, you know, the right traumatic thing happened first or whatever it is. Like, I think that is still my goal of finding a way to experience that kind of prayer, even if it's not that specific thing. But that kid, however old he was, is really onto something that most of us have missed, you know? And I I think about that a lot when, you know, that's why Jesus said the kids are the shit, right? Because like, (laughs) yeah, you know, like they, they get these things that we so totally miss sometimes. And, um, anyway, so I can't say that I've achieved that because again, I'm trying not to achieve prayer. I'm I'm trying to not treat prayer like it's a steam achievement, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I've I've done it. I've, I've uh, unlocked everything. Um, and it's hard because that's still what I default to sometimes, that idea. Um, but that is that is my goal. And also trying, like I said, in my personal life, but and then also trying to figure out how do I help expose that to people like I see at work and, and stuff. And very much a work in progress because I don't always, often I don't know. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I guess that's my way of saying I'm really trying to get away from the um, magic formula or crack the code kind of, um, approach to prayer because not because if you do that, God's mad at you, but it, it it makes it really hard on yourself because it's not a code to crack. And, you know, you can, you can (laughs) have all the bulletin boards with red yarn put up there that you want, but there's not a, you know, it, it's not a conspiracy theory. (laughs) It's just prayer. It's prayer, you know? So, (laughs) Uh, yeah, trying to figure that out. Yeah, there was this great quote that I recently heard that my former self would say it was just pious nonsense <laughs> um, because I was more in the petitionary prayer, as long as you say in Jesus' name type stuff, you'll uh, be okay. Yes, the magic spell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Side note, it's always hilarious to me that Lutherans get all upset about the sinner's prayer. And yet oh, yeah. we uh-huh. we have these endings to prayer that we have to have. In Otherwise, order it doesn't count, I guess. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it really is like we're magicians. And if we don't <laughs> say the words correctly, the spell backfires or something. <laughs> but it's a, it's a quote from Mother Teresa. And it's talking. she was talking to, um, you know, it depends on who you hear, another Christian, a disciple, whatever it might be but another Christian nonetheless. And uh, 
the Christian was very enamored by the faith life of the of the saint. Of course, anyone would be, I would think, and uh, wanted to know the secret to prayer. And um, Mother Teresa smiles and says, "Well, when I pray, I just listen to God." Hmm. And the Christian says, "You know, well, first Christians uh, awed by that response." Um, because probably like most of us <laughs> spends most of his time or her time in prayer talking to God about right. what they need and what they want. But then it spurs this question, which is uh, the follow-up to Mother Teresa. Well, if if you're listening, what does God say? And she gives this gentle smile and smirk, and she says, well, God just listens too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of what... It's kind of what, what the kids said, yeah, right? In a yeah. uh, much more convoluted and different way. But, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I think of First Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. Mm-hmm. You beat me to it. I was going to go there. And uh, C.S. Lewis said that that's like the mark of maturity amongst Christians, if you can do that. And I just don't like that framing of it. Well, what I does think, it even mean? Right. Like yeah. What we're talking right. about is I think it means a lot of things that I didn't used to realize it meant. Well, what if prayer is much like it as we've learned worship is that it is mm. just, uh, uh, as I said before, a disposition, an attitude towards God, an approach, a posture, maybe even living or existing with God. Yeah. As you and God as God. Yeah. This, yeah. Mm hmm. And if you think of it that way, then prayer without ceasing looks different, I think, for each person, right? Right. Because if it's a posture towards God of being open to God, what does that openness mean for you? Uh, I don't know. I think there's something to that. And I think that's where that listening and listening kind of plays in, Mm -hmm. too. And where the kids sitting on the back porch saying that they love Jesus and mm-hmm. Jesus says it back. Same kind of idea. It's just a posture to the openness of what God is uh, already doing, but also wanting to do mm-hmm. with you at every moment. Yeah, because otherwise, prayer without ceasing becomes basically we treat prayer like a filibuster, you know, because the <laughs> yeah. important part is that it just keeps good going. It. Doesn't yeah. matter what is said. Uh, you can read Dr. Seuss or the phone book as long as you keep talking. Well, at least that's how it used to be, but I won't go on. And we that, say right? just, 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 or right, yeah, Lord, exactly. Just or God, and... we say God two hundred and fifty-seven thousand yeah. times in our prayer. That or if praying. you're Baptist, you say brother and uh-huh. <laughs> Lord yeah. a lot. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. I one of the churches I was at, every time someone would pray, he wasn't a pastor. He would, but he would always, he'd often volunteer to pray, and he would always say, Lord, Father, Holy Spirit. Because <laughs> I guess he was covering all the bases. You got to get you the know? Trinity in you know, all the time, every single time, and he'd use it like punctuation. It was, yeah, um, yeah. So I think, yeah, we we don't we don't need a prayer buster. Um, but praying without ceasing was always this impossible thing because, like yeah. I said, you run out of things to say, and you, right. you're doing the equivalent of reading the holy phone book to God, and and it's not like I said, it's not that God's like upset about that, but filibusters by their very design don't accomplish anything. That's the entire purpose. And that's not what we, that's not what God wants from us. And it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't get us anywhere either. And so, but it's easier to wrap your mind around. 
right? Because I think that's the thing is, yeah, but I'm doing something. And me listening to God and God listening to me doesn't always feel like anything is happening. But I think that's kind of the idea is that it's not always about something happening. It's about, um, you know, oh, gosh, it's about. But you also, yes, absolutely. But as you were saying, when you said it feels like sometimes there's more in the prayer that says I need help than I need help to do X, Y, Z and so on and so forth. I think that if we, I don't want to say it like that because that sounds like prescriptive. I have found that working to be open to mm-hmm. God and God's work in my life that takes some fucking doing, dude. Mm-hmm. That takes a yeah. lot of doing. <laughs> yeah, because I have what I want to be in my life or ideas of what I want. Do you know what I mean? Like I, and yeah. that is not necessarily God's ideas. And sometimes it is, right? Like, I mean, it's, it's, but yeah, I hear you. It's, it's a lot harder to do that than some of these other things. It's kind of like, um, being a quote unquote good spouse or good partner or good father or good friend. Um, it's that openness to the other person that requires the most work, right? There's a lot of status quo work that happens in terms of relationships, but where relationships grow is precisely in those moments of openness mm-hmm. of saying, I don't know as you as well as I would like to know you or as well as I think I know you. Yeah. Um, I think that's one of the challenges of being in a relationship period and why they're so fucking hard and amazing all at the same yeah, time. I think so. But I think if we think of um, prayer without ceasing in that light, rather than as something we have to do, um, which I get, you know, I fluctuate back and forth. I'm just trying to put a positive in terms of let's do something with this spin. Um, then I think we're in a much better place when it comes to prayer, um, which allows for the petitionary, allows for all the different avenues that we have as well. Um, being open to how God speaks in and through us. Yeah, and and I think, I think that it trying to find the right way to say this i think it recognizes that we're all at where we're at and some of that we're in a similar place and some of that we're all in a different place but god's in all those places so um the idea i think that i've been learning is that the it's not important i guess what i would say is the it is important to pray but it doesn't it doesn't look the same for everybody it doesn't have to be done a certain way. Um, you know, if you don't, if, if someone has never prayed at all in their life and they say, I want to start praying for whatever reason, and maybe they start by asking God for something every day. You know what? Great. Yeah. Good for fine. them because God may answer them and maybe that's where they start. Maybe that's where they stay. I don't know. I just, I, we're not trying to be super prescriptive about any of this as much as explore how has it been different for us and while also affirming and recognizing that it can and should be different for everybody um, because God is doing different things in our lives and our hearts and we need different things from God and, and in our, because of our lives or because of just Mm -hmm. who we are as people. And I think God's designed it that way. 
And we need to be wary of this one size fits all conception or approach or um, picture of what it means to, you know, be a, in my world, they talk about being a prayer warrior. Yeah. You know, or uh, having a good prayer life or um, being an intercessor, you know, like that kind of thing is like, I think we can all be whatever term you want to use, but it doesn't have to be in the way that maybe has been presented to you. It might be in some ways we've not talked about or ever even considered. I imagine it is right. Um, It's just it's different. And that is but what I'm trying to say is that's a good thing. Right, that that recognizes the uniqueness of uh, all of us as people and as and um, unique creations of God, and so God will meet us where we're at, and then help us see when things need to change or try something new or whatever it might be. Because, I mean, God wants to talk to us in whatever way that God does that. Yeah, I think. You want to blow people's minds. I have done this before. Tell them there's just as many prayers, uh, ways to pray as there are people in this life. And I, I do firmly believe that. That's just like, I'm not trying to ambush what you said and make it my own, but um, that's just in agreement with you. I think that God honors what God creates and the uniqueness and worth and value in everything and everyone that he creates. And God, uh, I, I really wonder, like maybe, maybe the ultimate positive end of this for today would be to say that prayer really is not prescriptive or descriptive, but it is relational and it is uh, personal. Like it is however prayer needs to be for you, not just as a person, but as a person in a particular time and place in your life. Uh, As you said, some people will pray because uh, petitionary ways, because that's all they know. And they find deep connection with that. And great. Um, but let's not let that limit how prayer works for everyone, because there is a robust understanding of prayer, uh, as the openness to God and what God is doing in your life and in this world, um, for other people that really, um, is beautiful and should be, you know, lived in that way. Yeah. And, and I think, I think, I don't know if I can, no, I, I was going to say, I'm going to say it this way. I think that God enjoys interacting with us in all these different ways. You know, I, I think that, um, I think that God likes when we pray because God, I mean, just like you like to talk to your friends or you like to have relationships with friends or your your partner or your family or whoever it might be. I mean, God gets a kick out of it. Uh, and yeah. that's maybe too flippant of a way of saying, like, I think God, I think God does get something out of it, just not in the transactional sense. I mean, then I think God enjoys it. I think it, um, you know, you'll recall that God was lonely once upon a time and here we are. Right. <laughs> um, and so I think, I think there's a, so much to it and and the world is kind of, the prayer world is so much more open and that is a good thing. That is how we want it to be. Um, 
because otherwise it not only would it be boring, but you know, we'd never be able to do it right if there was a right, <laughs> right. way to do it. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, I think that's, uh, well, I want to end on your note by just, uh, putting a period on that with what does Jesus do when he comes back from the dead? He has breakfast with his disciples on, on the coast. Yep. <laughs> and there is no, I mean, there's a teaching for Peter specifically, but there's, I mean, he's done with all the teaching then, right? He's just like, he wants to spend time with his disciples. So right before he leaves, yeah, before he leaves. And I can't help think that that's exactly right for prayer too, that mm -hmm. God just wants to spend time with us. And prayer is the opportunity that we have to do that. Yep. Um, and the way that he does it, or rather the way God does it all the time. Yeah. So I hope that's encouraging for you. Um, and and more than that, I, I also, or I should say, I hope it also helps you reflect on where you might be at in your prayer life, for lack of a better way to put it. Like we said, we're not trying to tell you how to do it because the whole point is it's up to you and, and God and, and you either you know what will work best for you or God will help you know that <laughs> probably some combination of the two. And you know what, if also, I think I want to say, if you're in a place where you're not able to pray right now, that's okay too. Um, it's not a, it's not a, shouldn't be an arduous task that, um, you know, it's not something God's got a checklist for. If, if you do it, you're good. And if not, uh, kind of, you know, if you can't pray right now for whatever reason, that's fine. That's okay. Because the the point is being with God, not, you know what, maybe that doesn't need a lot of prayer right now. Um, and I would, you know, be quick to say that the people that I read would say absence in our prayer life is just as valuable as presence. So absence you of your words and absence of your even presence with God does not invalidate your prayer life. Right. We got to move away from prayer good, not prayer bad, because right. that dictates a certain way of living. Yep. If you're not talking talking to God, that's fine. If you're telling God to fuck off or that you hate him, that's fine too. That's prayer too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's it's yeah. all okay. That's what I mean. It really is okay because God, I think God designed it that way because it's good for us. So wherever you're at, maybe try something new or, you know, if not, stick where you're at. That's okay too. It, we're really not here to tell you what to do as much as I hope it just causes you to kind of examine where you're at and listen to God and, and go from there. Um, and you know, you could tell us about what that's like if you want, we wouldn't, we wouldn't hate hearing it is all I'm we saying. Love it, yeah. We would like that. You don't, you guys are a bad audience. You don't tell us. Very much. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, frontier faith podcast at gmail.com. You're a great audience, whoever you may be. Um, great community, I think maybe is even a better word. So I uh, just want to encourage you wherever you're at that uh, God prays for you too. You know, we, we don't always think about that, but Jesus, one of the things Jesus does is pray for us all the time. I do wonder what that must look like. Yeah. You know? But uh, that's maybe a separate topic that I don't know <laughs> enough about. But I don't know what my tagline is anymore. So I'm just going to say, like, go say a prayer or something <laughs> if you want. Because God loves you. Promise. <laughs>